please to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So before Ephesians would be Galatians, after would be Philippians. Of course, you're going to be much closer to the end of the Bible than you are to the beginning. Not quite at the end, but near the end a bit. Galatians, Ephesians, in Philippians, Ephesians chapter chapter 5. So the title of the message this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, and we will look at one key verse in its context, in its context, that key verse in context will be verse 11. The title is Expose Darkness. And we're talking about things like abortion. I have preached over 13 years. I have preached um, a good many specific sermons on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. That's today, uh, January the 21st. Uh, not every single year. Do I preach a specific sermon for Sanctity of Human Life Sunday? But what I want to do today, I think, is the same thing that I've done for those other Sundays, which is just really this. Is we'll touch on, we'll absolutely talk about abortion and Sanctity of Human Life. But really, friends, we're doing the same thing that we do every Sunday, okay? We're going to preach the gospel and expound the text. So that's what we're doing. Um, any, you know, even if we, even if it's Christmas, of course we want to preach about Christmas. Or if it's Easter, we want to preach about the resurrection. Fifty-two Sundays a year, really, it's the same thing: preach the Bible and to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So again, the title is "Expose Darkness." Yes, we'll talk about things like abortion, and the text is Ephesians five. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, help us as a church family. You know the needs that among that are among us. Needs that the elders may not know. Help us to communicate with one another, to bear one another's burdens. All of us, all of the members. Help us with our various needs and sicknesses and struggles. But Lord, the first thing we pray is that you would raise our eyes to your holiness, as Eddie prayed, to your greatness, to your, just your, your bigness, Lord, who you are. Lord, that we would offer you true worship according to your word. The type of worship that we read about in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that has so much to do with prayer. So Lord, we pray to you. 
Lord, please have mercy upon us and forgive us, for we sin daily. We confess, Lord, our prayerlessness as a church and as families and as individuals. Have mercy on us, even through the cross and the blood of Christ. Lord, please help us to confess our sins and to repent of our sin. And Lord, please help us to actually turn from our sin and not just to say, yes, we know that we're sinners, but Lord, to be specific, even as Pastor James prayed in our prayer service this morning earlier. Lord, that sometimes we need you to to just humble us. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. Help us, Lord, again, as we confess even the specific sin of prayerlessness, which, which shows our pride. Lord, your word tells us that we should pray for our leaders, and so we pray for our governor of North Carolina. And we pray for our president, President Biden. Lord, we know that we're in an election year, and we pray, Lord, that we would be salt and light. And Lord, we pray for these specific leaders Lord, there may be some leaders in our country that we love and some that we certainly don't, but Lord, we pray for them and for those who would give guidance and counsel to them. Lord, we pray for their conversion where they do not know you. Lord, we also pray that you would help them to lead in ways that are for true human flourishing and ultimately for your glory. Lord, help us as a church. We may not be 10,000 people, but Lord, we are not insignificant because of you. And so help us. We are your church led by Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Look with me at our text, if you will, Ephesians 5, 11. Ephesians 5, Verse 11, the Bible says, and therefore God says through the Apostle Paul, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Ephesians 5.11. So I want you to listen to the latest neuroscience all right for maybe a few of you you're like yeah neuroscience and for a lot of you you're like what listen to this the brain is what scientists call plastic this is i got i get this from a book called more than a battle the brain is what scientists call plastic it's capable of being shaped and molded and then of holding that new shape over time. Brain plasticity is particularly high during one's teenage years. As we age, our brains become less malleable, right? So you know what he's, what he's saying here? Like if you want to learn another language, best case scenario, you start when you're young. You know, we think of catechism, and you typically think of parents and children we're emphasizing this catechism for every age in our church, the one that we're doing. 
you think about memorizing scripture, or as I've already said, learning a different language, you know, best case scenario, you start that age four or at least age 14, all right? The brain is what scientists call plastic. Given that many men first encounter pornography as teenagers, it's no surprise that they become hooked and find it difficult to break the habit as they get older. Pornography weaponizes the brain so that sin is easy and obedience is hard. Here it is, listen. Pornography rewires the brain. So this is not just Scripture. The Scripture has been there all along. We just don't always turn to it. But the science corroborates what the Word of God has always told us. And the science tells us that pornography rewires the brain. Literally. Not just like, we're not just talking in generalities. We're talking about actualities here. Let me continue for just a moment. Looking at pornography triggers neurological, chemical, and hormonal events that leave a mark on the brain. Frequent use hardens the neural pathways and molds the brain so that it craves pornography. Of course, this isn't unique to pornography. Alcohol, drugs, video games, smartphones, food, all of these can do the same. By the way, one of the things we see in the scripture this morning that we're going to talk about is greed. And greed can apply to an excessive desire, not just for money, but greed can be an excessive desire for sex or for food. So it's not unique to pornography. Alcohol, drugs, video games, smartphones, food, all of these can do the same. But pornography is somewhat unique in that it is a polydrug. And then before I, before I get off of this really quickly, in this book, More Than a Battle, he says this, and I want you to listen to this because I love this. Pornography rewires the brain, men and women, but by the grace of God, it's possible to wire it back again. One of our desires, even as we say it in our church documents, is that we exist by the grace of God for the glory of God. And so we want grace, true grace, biblical grace. Are you with me? to be a banner over everything about Crossway Church. We want the grace that is found in Jesus Christ to truly permeate. That would include this morning as well. Pornography does actually rewire the brain, but by the grace of God and through the cross of Christ, it's possible to wire it back again. And some of you may be here this morning, and the reason that you never have any victory at all try as you may, it could be because you've actually never been born again. It could be because, if I may say it this way, you actually have no access to power. You only are left at the end of the day with your own resources. And now Christians are not perfect people. Christians continue to struggle with sin until the end. Some of you may be here this morning 
and you may struggle and you may actually be dominated with greed of various sorts and kinds. Greed, remember, an excessive desire for food, an excessive desire for where you're addicted to video games. You're addicted to lust. And some of you may be here this morning and you have no actual access to power, which is to say you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you because even many, many people who think that they're Christians are not, they've never been changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this passage this morning speaks to people, to Christians, about their newness. And it is a, and it is a great contrast. The contrast, listen to me, between light and darkness. Between that which is old and that which is new. It's very clear in this text. And what he's saying is, if you are a Christian, and he is definitely writing to Christians, and I know I'm speaking to many Christians this morning, he says, live in light of this newness that is already yours through Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 3. Would you look there with me? Ephesians 5, verse 3. Look at it. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness. Must not even be named. Among you, Crossway Church. As is proper among saints. Notice how he appeals to them. You sinners. No, no, because that's not who you are in Christ. You're a saint. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, Paul says, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, Ephesians 5, 5, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Can I stop for just a second? Let's be done with saying, I was saved 20 years ago. My life is completely dominated with sin, but I'm still a Christian. You probably are not. Don't be deceived. It's these very things for which the wrath of God is coming upon people who say, I prayed a prayer back then. And I don't think it's anything bad at all that I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. Verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them, church. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For, Ephesians 5.12, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 
Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days, the days are evil. Number one is our key verse. Number one, I've got two things for you. Number one, expose the darkness. Ephesians 5.11. Number one, expose the darkness. See that there in verse 11? Specifically, it would be verse 11b. The second half of verse 11. Please don't take my word for it. Listen carefully if you don't have a Bible or listen and look at the text. What does Paul say to these Ephesian believers? Instead, expose them. Well, you can't really understand it if you don't take the whole verse, right? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Which is it? What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be shining the flashlight onto sin in our world? Or are we supposed to be making sure that we keep our own house in order and that we are separate from the world? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. To me, that seems like one sentence. To me, that seems like one verse with two components. So I don't think it's an either or. And I'm focusing for just a minute here, or for a few minutes, on this last part of 11. Expose them. Expose what? Expose the darkness. It is indeed Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Let me give you very quickly some numbers, and then we'll move on from the numbers. Uh, this comes from uh, a, uh, a source called All-American Life League. We know, as I've said before, I've said very recently, we're very grateful for the uh, very surprising victory of a year and a half ago. Um, we don't advance a political agenda here at Crossway. Christ is king, so life is political. We're not, we're not um, unpolitical or apolitical. Life is political. Politics matter. Christ is king. Um, we did, as far as the pro-life movement, if you want to call it that, pro-life, all of life, it was a surprising, surprising victory a year and a half ago. Prior to that, in 1973 to the year 2020, okay, 73 to 2020, over 63 million abortions. And I know, I know that I'm speaking to people this morning who have had an abortion, who have perhaps encouraged others to have an abortion, who in some way have been touched by this in some shape, form, or fashion. I know that. Uh, we love you. We're here this morning focusing on the grace that is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're also here this morning to deal with sin. Abortions per day over 2,500 abortions per day, over 2,500. Abortions per hour, 106. 
one abortion every 34 seconds. One abortion every 34 seconds. And of course we know that uh, the surprising victory a year and a half ago has led the, the gates open to other ways. And as Eddie said this morning, there's much evil that's rampant. This is interesting. Uh, you all know Planned Parenthood. In 1963, Planned Parenthood actually said this. An abortion kills the life of a baby after it has begun. It is dangerous to your life and health. Planned Parenthood, 1963. It may make you sterile so that when you want a child, you cannot have it. An abortion kills the life of a baby after it has begun. It is dangerous to your life and health. I read an article this week about how, you know, maybe, maybe even among the Reformed confessional types, we who want to take the Word of God seriously, we will absolutely confess our belief in the devil. For to not do so would be unbiblical, and it would go against our confessions, right? And we do want to be confessional, and in some sense, we do want to be reformed, although we don't want to go all the way and sprinkle babies. But we do want to be all of those things, but maybe even among those who are very serious, we say we believe in Satan, but do we practically understand that the devil is real, he is at work, he prowls around seeking whom he may devour, and this whole thing really isn't that complicated. If Planned Parenthood, which today is animated by Satan, could only 60 years ago say abortion is basically bad, this is really simple. It's not that complicated. It's a big fat lie, and it comes from the father of lies who is our enemy, who is not God's counterpart. He's God's counterfeit. He's real. He's powerful. Don't play games with Him. He is defeated. He is crushed at the cross, and His days are numbered. But Satan is real, and he is alive and active. He is no match for Jesus Christ. But let us not just say, oh yeah, 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 we believe in the devil. We need to study to understand his strategy. The Puritans did this well. We don't think about these things because we're addicted to food and video games and smartphones and pornography and all the while, it's really all very simple. And Satan is real, and you just read in Ephesians chapter 6, and we are lazy, and we do not study his strategies. Ephesians 5.11 says again, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. It, it, listen to me. There is a command here, isn't there? Isn't this, is this not a command for believers and for the church? Now listen, I've got to come back in a minute and say something about this. Listen to me. But let's be clear. There is a command 
for believers and for the church and for pastors and for elders, and then for all believers, to expose the darkness. It's not enough to be separate from the world. We must also expose the darkness. Peter Singer is at, I don't know if he's still there, he's at Princeton. He is a man who in recent years has been arguing based on the logic that we follow in our country, well, why are we against infanticide? He's been promoting infanticide. You know what infanticide is? It's the killing of the baby when it's come out of the womb. He claims that because newborns are not self-aware, they have less value to society than pigs, dogs, or chimps. You've heard of Kermit Gosnell in Philadelphia was sentenced to life in prison in 2013 for killing newborn children after botched abortions. Many of these things I'm drawing from very helpful resources on books about Christian ethics, like one from McQuoken and Copan here. There was an early Christian document called the Didache. And when we say early Christian, you know, we're in the 21st century. We're talking about uh, second century, third century, these types of things. So, not long after Christ and the apostles. The early Christian document, the Didache, said this. Listen, it said, um, and this is like the year 100 A.D., A.D. 100. You shall not kill the fetus by abortion or destroy the infant already born. Uh, so the church has never, uh, the church has never been unclear about this issue. From day one. Say, well, well, you know, Jesus didn't talk directly about, you know, homosexuality. So, you know, Jesus didn't talk directly. You know, and, and you make the parallel. Well, the Bible doesn't talk directly about abortion. That will not work, my friend. That will not work. because the Bible talks so much about homosexuality and because it's, it's all the word of Christ and because the Bible actually does talk a lot about abortion without using the word. And it's super clear. Super clear. Expose the darkness, number one. Number two. I told you I had two, all right? Number two. Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. There's another uh, another one of these things in the first few centuries of the church. That, that would be like second century, third century, as I've already said. You get into the fourth and fifth centuries, you're talking about men like Augustine and things like this. But even before that, uh, maybe a little bit closer to the apostles than you are even to Augustine, you've got something called the letter to Diognetus. Listen to this. It's describing Christians, I think from a from a non-Christian point of view, is describing Christians. And listen to what it says. They marry as well, they marry as all men. It's talking about these weirdos, these weirdo Christians. They marry as all men. They bear children, but they do not expose their offspring. 
These weirdo Christians, they marry like the rest of us do. They bear children like the rest of us do. But one thing that they're different in, when they have a baby, like was so common back then, when they have a girl, when they have a girl, they might just leave her on the, on the literal trash pile. Very common. The, old, the ancient world knew about abortion. It certainly knew about infanticide. The ancient world's not going to practice abortion as much as because you practice abortion in the ancient world, the mother is almost always going to die because you don't have the advancements to help kill a baby that we have today. I saw a picture the other day, um, uh, funny but not funny at all, where one woman says, I don't think I'm ready to have a baby as she's contemplating abortion. The other woman says, oh, so you do think you're ready to murder a baby. It sounds very stark and very bold, and it is, but it's true, of course. I don't think I'm ready to have a baby. I think I'm going to abort this baby. And a, and a shocking reply could be, oh, so you are ready to murder a baby. The ancient Christians were distinct because they didn't expose their offspring. Paul calls us in Ephesians here, he calls us, even today, I'm telling you, this message is not narrowly about abortion. It is for all of life. He's calling us to walk in wisdom. To walk in wisdom. Now I get that in verse 15. Look there with me. To walk in wisdom. Paul says in Ephesians 5.15, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Let's keep reading for just a moment. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Dear Christian friend, you've got to use your mind. You've got to think. You cannot be lazy. You've got to read the Bible. You've got to turn off the boob tube and turn on the Word of God. Verse 17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 21 is often abused as though every Christian should submit to every other Christian. He tells you what he means if you would just keep reading. Wives, submit to your husbands in the Lord. Children, submit to your parents. Slaves, submit to your masters. Verse 21 is explained by 22 through 6-9. Okay, forget that for right now. We're talking about walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. That's what it says in verse 15, right? Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Well, how about verse 2? Look at verse 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us. Look at verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
Verse 2, walk in love. Verse 8, walk as children of light. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but as unwise. Jesus told a parable one time, of course, showing that the, the very people of God can sometimes, and sometimes, in some occasions, be more foolish than the shrewd people of this world. Let that not be said of us very often, although I'm afraid it can be many times. We should not be less shrewd than the people of the world because they are in darkness. And friend, Paul's whole point in this passage is to say, you are light. He doesn't even say you are in the light. He says you are light. Because Christ Jesus is light. The whole message of Ephesians 5, 3 through 16. And by the way, if you want the whole unit to go back and study it today, the whole unit is Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 20. Don't have to look there now. The whole thing that goes together is 4, 17 to 5, 20. And it's all about this. Listen to me. In Jesus Christ, and because of His blood shed on the cross, because He propitiated the wrath of God, because of His resurrection, because of our union with Christ through faith, you, my dear believer, church, you are light. You're not yin and yang. You're not a mix of darkness and light. The darkness is gone. We still sin every day. And woe to the Christian who says that he does not. You contradict First John. We sin every day, but it is also a lie for a Christian to say, I am darkness and maybe a little bit light, when God says, you are light. And then what does He say? So just try harder. No! He says, you are light, now walk in the light. In other words, he doesn't say in verse 8, walk as children of light, work a little bit harder. No, it's all of grace. He says, walk as children of light. And we say, wow, we are children of light. That's all of grace. That is because God has adopted us as his children. And he says, oh, in light of this overflowing, cascading ocean wave upon ocean wave of grace, undeserved grace. Now, believer, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Let me show you something here for just a second. Very quickly, let me show you 3331. 3331. This will take just a minute. Look at verse 3. 3331. Verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Ephesians 5 3. Here's the first three sexual immorality, impurity, or covetousness. Okay, next. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this that everyone who is, look at it, sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness. That's the same three, right? This isn't hard. Verse 5 and verse 3, it's the same triplet. Sexual immorality, 
impurity, and covetousness. But then there's another triplet. It's in verse 4. Look at it. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. You see 333? See that? Sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. Same thing in verse 5. Same triplet. A different but related triplet in verse 4. Filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. Let me stop for just a second. Look at me. I am, I want to say this as your pastor, as one of your elders. I'm also, first of all, as you well know, uh, first of all, a Christian and even most fundamentally a man, a human being. All of us live in a world that has fallen. You don't have to be um, working on repairing jet parts at Seymour to be surrounded by filth in language and in pictures and other things like that. You can be a stay-at-home mom, and you can. it does not matter what it is. Let's just all say we live in a world to where if you are a Christian, are you? We are bombarded. We are bombarded. And so we, we want to say, like, we get it. We get it. And, and we know that, and again, I hope you hear me clearly. We're not saying that the, the Christian man or the Christian woman never struggles with pornography anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I, I want to encourage you in love. And here's my encouragement. Here's my sympathy with you this morning. The Apostle Paul says, there, there's, there's no excuse. Like I say that kind of jokingly. That, that's my sympathy for you this morning. There's no room for, let me dabble in this a little bit. Oh, I'm just curious. There's no room for that. At all. He says sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place. And so on the one hand, we sin daily. But you are responsible. You are. We live in a world where access to pornography is unlike it has never been before. Is that true? I think that's absolutely true. The billboards, it's in your phone, it's in your hand. There is unlimited access. And woe to you, Christian parent, if you don't take massive safeguards. But I say on the authority of Scripture, there are no excuses. You are responsible. Verse 6. This is why I'm saying this this morning. This is why. If you don't care about the way I'm saying this, look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Jesus doesn't want you to go to hell. He says, gouge out your eye. Cut off your hand. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. 3331. We didn't do the one. It's at the end of verse 4. 3331. The one is at the end of verse 4. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Uh, I need something more complicated. I need you to. Tell me that if I help with the building 
renovation at church or if I just do this or just give me something to do. Just, But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Verse 2, because of the gospel, Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See the gospel in verse 2. You're here this morning and you've aided and abetted in an abortion. You've encouraged someone to get an abortion. You have had an abortion yourself. Abortion is murder. It is the properly defined, it is the unlawful taking of a human life against the will of God. There is lawful taking of human life, like capital punishment when it's executed properly. Abortion is the unlawful taking of a human life, which begins at conception, which is against the will of God. All of us are sinners. Murder is a very serious sin. You need to repent of this sin and understand the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ, purchased by the blood of Christ. Christ Jesus died on the cross for sinners, having lived a perfect life. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose from the dead. He ascended. And Acts chapter 2, he poured out that which you now see and hear, his, his Holy Spirit. Another comforter I will give you, another paraclete, you've heard that word. Jesus is the first comforter. Another comforter I will give you. It's better that I go away, he says. It's even better that I go. He ascends into heaven. He is coming again. He is king. Christianity is inherently political. It's not partisan political, but it's inherently political. The gospel in verse 2, the gospel. Walk in love as Christ loved us. Gave him, that we, we have nothing if we don't have the gospel. If we don't have Jesus Christ, the Son of God, laying His life down for sinners, dear friend, have you repented of your sin and looked to God through Christ? Have you come to Him by faith and by faith only and not by any of your works, trusting in the work that He did on the cross, on Calvary, at Golgotha, by shedding His blood? He gave Himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You can, you could not have done that. I could not. You and I could not have given ourselves up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now we can. Now we can because Christ did definitively. You and I could not die for the sins of the world. Somebody may even die for a good man. Somebody might, might lay down their life. They might still go to hell. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, because He was the Son of God, was perfectly fitted, the Son of God, the Son of Man, to lay down His life for sinners. He gave Himself up for us. Through Jesus, there is forgiveness for, for murderers and for, for food addicts and for people who are greedy, uh, who, are, who have excessive and inordinate desire for all types of things, money and technology. Pornography. And so point number one was to expose the darkness. And point number two was to walk in wisdom. Or you could say, verse eight, walk as children of light. Or you could say, verse two, walk 
in love. There's so much that could be said. Let me close with this. You need to compare the Sermon on the Mount with our passage today. You need to compare Matthew chapter 5 with this passage. We are the salt and the light. We are the salt and the light. You need to compare the incarnation, Luke 1.35. So much evidence in the Bible that's super clear about this issue of the sanctity of human life. Tons of evidence in the Bible. It's not unclear. It's not unclear. Luke 135, one of the biggest evidences against abortion for the sanctity of life is Christmas, is the incarnation. Luke 135, it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Life begins at conception. The incarnation didn't happen when Jesus was two. It happened. He identifies with us in every way. He identifies with us in every way, including where life begins in conception. There's a couple of A students here who remember that I said I wanted to come back to something 20 minutes ago. And here it is, and we're done. This whole thing was about verse 11. This whole thing was about verse 11, and if you just pick one word out of verse 11, it's the word expose. To expose, one teacher says this, to expose means it is not enough merely to abstain from sin. I'm not going to look at pornography. I'm not going to have an abortion. The Bible says we also should expose sin. Listen carefully. Christians have the responsibility to confront. Many Christians many times do it very poorly. Christians have the responsibility to confront. Too often when we do confront, we do more harm than good. Too often when we do confront, we end up doing more harm than good. All of this presupposes, this teacher says, that we will be in contact with non-Christians. We separate from the world, but we don't separate from unbelievers. We expose the darkness in our words and in our lives. And if we live a faithful Christian life, and yes, use our words, you know, don't you? Don't you know? People will be put off by that. Light will be shown in the darkness. We are called to expose the darkness. Don't take all these matters into your own hand. You're gonna end up, you might end up making a mess of things. Live a faithful Christian life. Open your mouth. Doesn't take much. People will be offended. Our number one goal is ultimately not to offend, but to lead to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the epistles of the New Testament and how, Lord, you give us your gospel and you also show us the implications of the gospel. You preach to us in your word the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross and his resurrection. And you also teach us how we should live in light of the cross of Christ. Lord, have mercy on our nation and on this silent holocaust. 
which represents rampant selfishness. My body, I'll do with my body what I want to do. Lord, have mercy upon us. Again, as Pastor James said in our prayer time, Lord, bring us true humbling. And we don't, we don't want to pray it because it's uncomfortable, but Lord, no doubt it often does need to begin with the household of God. Help us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the forgiveness that is abundantly found in Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.